0: This is Wellspring, presented by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC. And for this Thursday, October 6th, we are joined today by Sarah Dockerslute. Good morning, Sarah.
1: Good morning, Gary, and welcome to Wellspring, a live broadcast sponsored by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital. October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month and Zealand Community Hospital is committed to increase the awareness of the importance of early breast cancer detection. The good news is that millions of women are surviving the disease thanks in part to early detection and improvements in treatment. I am just very delighted to have a good friend with me on the broadcast today, it's Tammy Barnes. And you're going to be inspired by her story because she had breast cancer and she is going to share her journey. Good morning, Tammy. Hi, Sarah. So, Tammy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you?
0: Um, I'm a wife of over 30 years. I'm a mom of three grown kids. I'm a retired eighth grade English teacher uh, after 35 years. And yeah, I'd say I'm just kind of like your your typical Woman.
1: (laughs) So before you share your journey, Tammy, I want to share some stats. Breast cancer is the most common cancer among American women, except for skin cancers. The American Cancer Society estimates that in the United States in 2022, there's going to be about 287,850 new cases of invasive breast cancer. In addition, about 51,400 new cases or stage ca- zero cancer is gonna be diagnosed. That means that the cells that line the ducts have changed to cancer cells, but they haven't spread through the walls. And Tammy, you're shaking your head, you know, because you know all these stats. Sad thing is about 43,250 women will die from breast cancer. And the reality is that breast cancer mainly occurs in middle age and older women. The median age at the time of breast cancer diagnosis is 62. That means half of the women who develop breast cancer are 62 years of age or younger when they diagnosed. And a very small number of women diagnosed with breast cancer are younger than 45. Well, Tammy, you're not 62. (laughs) Um, So you were in that smaller percentage. Did you ever think that you would be one of those people who would have breast cancer?
0: Yeah, I was about 10 years younger than that average. And, um, you know, I never did think that it would happen to me except that I have the kind of tissue, dense tissue, um, that did require a lot of callbacks on my mammograms. I also started getting mammograms early instead of at like around age 40, I started getting them at age 35 because my dad had breast, um, prostate cancer. And there's a link between some prostate cancers and, um, breast cancer. And so, uh, I started getting them at 35 and, uh, was called back a number of times for follow-up Um, pictures, whether it be ultrasounds, or even some biopsy kind of aspiration kind of things. Um, And every time that happened, of course, you would say, what if this ends up being cancer? What if this ends up being cancer, and then it never did. And so I don't want to say that you got confident that it wasn't going to be cancer. But when I got called back uh, for this a couple of years ago, I thought, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to have to go and get the extra pictures. And then they're going to tell me everything's going to be fine.
1: So you were, so you, Tammy, so you were very diligent, like you said, you know, you had those mammograms early, Yep. um, you continued on. So let's talk about um, the one time you were called back and your breast cancer journey. How did you discover there was an abnormality?
0: So totally from a mammogram, a routine mammogram. And, uh, yeah, I went in, I got the call back that I needed some further, uh, pictures. And I thought, okay, here we go again. I'll get those done. It happened to be right before Thanksgiving in, uh, 2019. And so I called to schedule the follow up, and they couldn't get me in until a couple of weeks after, um, Thanksgiving. And even though I was pretty confident it was just gonna be kind of one of those routine callback things, I wanted to get it over with. I didn't wanna have to think about it. And so they told me they had an opening up in Reed City and I live in Zealand. Uh, they had an opening up in Reed City for the Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving. And we had school off that day. So I thought I'll just take a nice little drive here in the fall and I'll go up to Reed City and I'll get this done. And then I can go into my Thanksgiving day uh, knowing that I didn't have anything to worry about. Turns out that's not exactly how it happened. So I was alone in Reed City when they call you into the extra room that you don't want to go into uh, that says, you know, we need to talk to you about this. And so I found out, yeah, by myself in Reed City, Michigan, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, that they suspected that it was something, something not good.
1: And then you had to drive home. (laughs)
0: Then I had to drive home. Yeah. I'm kind of a person who, you know, takes that stuff and kind of puts it inside and deals with it anyway. But, and I don't know why God put me up in Reed City by, by myself. I guess there was maybe a reason that I needed to cry those tears on my way home by myself, or I don't know what it was, but um, I did it. And yeah, I'm glad I knew because then I could get on the process um, of getting things scheduled and that sort of stuff. When I left there, I had appointments already scheduled in Grand Rapids. And they they were apologizing and <laughs> saying, we're sorry you have to drive all the way to Grand Rapids. Because, of course, they thought I was from Reed City or somewhere up north. And I, I was like, no, that's perfect because I'm actually from down there. But I had all those things set up downtown um, at Lemon Holton. And uh, those things were ready to go uh, as soon as as soon as soon I left there. So at least I knew that I had some things on the books and I would find out, um, you know, the answers to the jillion questions that are, you know, swirling through your mind at that time.
1: So, yeah, you know, driving home by yourself, then you had to go home and you had to tell your husband yep. and your kids, your mom and your dad, how did they respond
0: um my husband's a really kind of he'll uh kind of keep stuff inside kind of guy and so you know he just was was encouraging and it's going to be okay and we're going to get through this i'm not exactly sure what he felt inside i don't know that i've ever even asked him just because it was like i had so much stuff going on i had a hard time just kind of taking care of myself but um we decided not to tell anybody. We weren't getting together for Thanksgiving anyway with anybody, really, because it was COVID and um, all of that sort of stuff. So, but we kind of decided not to tell anybody until we could get the kids. Two of my three kids don't live in town, so we had to call them and tell them over the phone. My daughter, especially, it was tough for her. Um, but yeah, my parents, that was hard because they were ready to take off to go to their winter place uh, in a couple of weeks. And uh, they, I think it was really difficult for them to know they weren't going to be around, but it was like, you can't stay home <laughs> for, for this. And and half the time they wouldn't have been able to see me anyway, because of COVID, they wouldn't have been able to be in the hospital. They wouldn't have been able to come to my house when I was recovering, just because they wouldn't want to risk exposing it, me or, or anything like that. So I think my parents was the toughest because I had to just kind of like pretend it really was not that Mm. big of a deal. Um, My dad had already been through prostate cancer and survived um, all kinds of skin cancer. And so it was just kind of like you had to put on, put on your happy face. Mm. Um, My kids, I was a little bit more open with, but still you just want to try to
1: kind of shield them from work. You're the mom, right? Yeah, mom, you're the strong mom that says I can I can handle this. And then all of a sudden, mom has something that is terribly, terribly difficult. Yes. So okay, so let's talk about treatment options. You said, you know, that when you left Reed City, you had things set up, which had to, um, you know, like you say, give you some sense of direction, like, okay, we're going to attack this, you know, um, we can do this. Let's talk about what happened after your diagnosis?
0: So crazily enough, um, I ended up calling my son's mother-in-law, which I know seems weird. And and we know each other just like through our kids, but she had just experienced this. And my son had been going through his wedding planning. So we had been a little bit, you know, more in contact with his family. And she was experiencing this the whole time. And I ended up calling her, um, One of the first people, even over like my good friends like you, uh, just because she knew and I knew that she would know. And it's just kind of like you need to talk to somebody who gets it. And she had um, just freshly, you know, picked doctors and treatments and all that sort of stuff. And I think it was also easier for her because even though we know each other, you know, decent she wasn't my best friend. And so she could just kind of get into, you know, this is what you need to do mode as opposed to, you know, feeling all the feelings kind of thing. And so I um, discussed with her who I was going to go see different doctors and all of that sort of thing. And I ended up going to the clinic at lemon Holton because it's like a half a day thing where you can go in and you meet all your doctors in one setting. They all come into the room and the oncologist tells you this and the breast surgeon tells you this and and they're all there. And then they tell you to go away and get a cup of coffee and then they come back and they have talked with all these amazing medical minds and they give you what, what they think that, that you should do. And, um, when I had talked to Carla, that's my son-in-law's mom, uh, mother-in-law, she had told me the name of this doctor who she just absolutely adored. And um, I really kind of wanted to go to that doctor just because it made me feel better. And when I called the clinic for the first appointment, um, they told me you get whatever doctors are on for the clinic for that day. So I said, okay, um, I might just have to put that that aside. And then they called me back like a day later and said, we have a change in an appointment for the clinic. You can come in a few days earlier. And I said, okay, what doctors are on that day? Just curious. And it happened to be that doctor who I was recommended to. And so that just gave me such a peace of mind because I knew somebody who had gone to her and she, you know, it just made me feel better. And so I went there that day and and that was A really great way to do it because you walk out of there and you have your plan the breast surgeon says this and the oncologist says this and uh you know all you meet them all and and you walk away and you're like okay we've got a team and then they give you this nurse navigator person who is just amazing because you can call them and ask them anything even really dumb stuff like What would it be like if I had to have a double mastectomy? What do women wear underneath their clothes? You know, all of those personal things that you're like, what's this life going to be like for me? And you can call and you can ask them just the silliest things and they don't even care. They just go, you know what? I get asked that all the time, which makes you also feel good. They have mental health support people that you can call. Um, I don't know. It was just, it made me feel like I can do this.
1: Tammy time is going fast yeah how are you today
0: <laughs> how are you um, today? I'm good you know all my scans are clear I go on a regular basis still to all of the docs so I'm seeing everybody like three or four every three or four months uh, that will happen for the next couple of years and then I'll continue to see these folks every year for for a long time I haven't one medicine that I have to take because my um, my breast cancer was hormone based. And so I have to take something for five years for that. And then of course the regular mammograms and, you know, all um, uh, some of those types of things, little extra things too that, you know the average person doesn't have to do. But
1: Tammy, what I mean, think diagnosis you? is
0: really, really good after, um, you know, the surgery and the radiation that I had.
1: Um, what sustained you, Tammy? through all of this. What sustained you through this journey? Oh,
0: gosh, you know, faith. um, I don't know how I could do it without that. Uh, The prayers and and, uh, the messages, Uh, people sending messages. I got a lot of text messages because people couldn't visit really. Um, I kept those in a little booklet. And when I would, you know, have a hard day or something, I could just start reading through those. That makes me... um, you know, even tear up now, just thinking about the support of the people.
1: One last question, Tammy, because we got about 30 seconds. What message would you leave with listeners?
0: (laughs) Get your mammogram, get your mammogram, get your mammogram. And um, yeah, I saved my life.
1: Tammy, (laughs) you've been an inspiration. Thank you for the courage it took to share your story. And that's what the message we want to leave with, get your mammogram. Until next week, Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital wishes you well. Thanks
0: for listening to Wellspring, presented by Spectrum Health Zealand Community Hospital on 99.7 and 1450 WHTC.